Welcome to the Encounter Christian Church Message Podcast, where we bring you the latest messages from our Sunday services. To find out more about Encounter, or to plan your visit with us, you can find us online at www.encounter.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. This is part three of our More Than Conquerors series. So as I was preparing yesterday around this word and, and, and praying over it, and I hope this encourages somebody, I just felt this message of hope. You know, I, I saw this image as I was praying, and, and it was of a, a river system that had no water. It was like Maori Darling Basin type concept where there's fish dying and, and parts of the river all dried up. And I, I just got this impression of rain and a flooding. And I saw this water traveling downstream, and, and I believe I'm, I'm not up with the whole thing, but the water apparently comes from Queensland and comes down and fills the streams. That fills it, I believe that's, and I just saw this water coming in, and it was unexpected, you know, and people were kind of on the side of this dry waterbed that used to be flowing, and all of a sudden, this, this, the, there was a frontage to the water, you know, as the water's coming downstream, they saw this water coming, trickling down, and just building, and, and uh, I got this impression that, that God's doing that new thing, and, and, and I also saw that as the water came, it flushed out the system. It flushed out all the dead fish. It, it brought new life and new fish, and, and the pollution was gone. And, and people thought this would never happen again. We're never going to get this. It's all over and climate. But, but I, the water was just flowing and refreshing the, the, the whole system. And all the um, estuaries that came off it were just overflowing with this abundance of water. And, and as the water flowed, as I saw this image... There was new life to the towns. Towns that were thinking they were going to close up had, had, had revitalization. And industries came again. And economies improved. And, and, and I don't know if that's a physical sense or a spiritual thing, but I, I just really feel that, that God wants to bring a, a freshness to people's lives. And he wants to flow his river. And maybe there's places in your life that are barren. And maybe there's places in your life that have been dried and, and things haven't been going the way you want. But I just want to say, hey, the, the rain is coming. There's a flood coming. The rivers of God are going to come and bring new life where there is no life. Amen. Okay, sideline to the message. Um, this message I've entitled Part 3, Positional Authority, but the other title is Where Are You? You can use two. I actually like Where Are You better. It's a softer title than Positional Authority. But we've looked at, we've looked at Who Are You? Part 1. What Are You? Part 2. And so let's say Where Are You? or Positional Authority. And uh, we've discussed our key note scripture, which is in Romans chapter 8, verse 37. And it says this, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In all these things, we are more than conquerors, conquerors through him who loved us. And the part that we're drawing on for this series, and I, I know I've said it each week, but there's people that haven't been for the last two, is that, that Paul describes us as more than conquerors. If it just said you're a conqueror, that's pretty good. But he emphasizes you are more than conquerors. And it says, because of what? It says, in all these things. Well, he talks about in poverty, in persecution, in bad times, in things not going your way, or maybe unfavorable conditions, and maybe businesses dealings going wrong. Maybe, maybe there's issues in your marriage right now, and you're struggling. You don't know if you're going to make it. But can I encourage you? In all these things, whatever you're facing, children that are that maybe drug addicts or, or, or strange parents or, or, or siblings who won't talk to you, the Bible says in all these things, in all these things that happen, you are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. It's not by your might or your strength. It's him who loves you. That him, if you've never been to church, it's talking about Jesus. Because of Jesus and his Holy Spirit living inside of you when, you, when you're a believer, you are a conqueror. You are an overcomer. 
And we have this image of Jesus dying upon the cross for the sins of the world, a sacrifice that we would be right with God. And the third day he rose again. The Bible says that when we pledge allegiance to him, his Holy Spirit comes as a deposit, as a guarantee that we one day will have eternal life. And that Holy Spirit, him living in us, is he who loved us. Because of him living in us, we can overcome. It's not about what you can do or you can't do or your abilities or your giftings or your strengths or your weaknesses. It's because of him who loved you that you can conquer. And then the Apostle Paul goes on to talk about how you look. Maybe people have betrayed you. Maybe stuff hasn't gone your way, but nothing's going to separate you from God's love. Nothing in your present world can separate you from God's love. And there's nothing that's going to come up in the future. You can be confident that nothing that comes up in the future is going to separate you from his love. And we know that because the Bible tells us that, that while we were in our worst state, you know, think of the worst state that someone could be in. In our worst state, when we were incapable of getting out of bed, when we were, when we were sick or we were, we were depressed or we were in our worst state, when we were living in our own vault, in our worst state, the worst you could ever be of yourself, in that state, it says that God sent his only son to die for you while we were yet sinners. How much more when we're in our best state? But in our worst state, that's how much he loves you. Whether you believe in him or not, he still loves you. It doesn't take away his love for you. And so in Who Are You, we looked at that a soldier is, is, is they need to know their position. They need to know their ranking. They need to know where they fit into the whole scheme of, of the battle. And then we looked at in part two, what are you? We looked at that you're an eternal spirit, that you have a body and that you're temporarily on assignment on this earth, on your way to another place, on way to heaven. And you have an assignment, that's what you are, that this body will die one day and you'll get a new body because you are not this, you're what's inside. And so today we're going we're gonna to look at the part three is I want to talk about spiritual authority. And that's a bit kind of spooky sounding, but I want to talk about that, that we have a spirit because of who we are and because of what we are and whose we are, we have a spiritual authority in our life. And that spiritual authority is not based on us or our abilities. It's based on our position with God. And that things in the spirit, when we pray, like Kathy prayed, so my name's Robbie, I'm the, I'm the senior pastor, and Kathy, who was up there, is my wife. When she, we, she was praying and we were praying together, that was a spiritual thing. We were praying words out spiritually, believing that they will change the physical world that we live in, the circumstances. And so today I want to talk about that, that, you, that you have a spiritual authority when you're a, a believer and you've pledged allegiance to Jesus. Whether you take it up and use it or not, you still have it. You know, you could have a million dollars in the bank, but if you don't get your ATM and go to the ATM and take the money out, it's of no use to you. You have it, you just don't realize it. But you have a spiritual authority that when you pray, things in this natural world fall into line and change. Giants in your world can come down. What giants are you facing right now? What giants in your world need to be taken down? What are they? Think about the giants in your world. Now, my first point today is what is citizenship? Okay, we're going on a bit of a sideline, and you're probably thinking, Pastor Robert, you're not a humanities teacher and business teacher anymore, but we're going to have a little humanities lesson on what citizenship means, okay? Is that all right? You'll give it a go. He's not liking it so far, but anyway, we'll see how he goes. Okay, I've got a big definition, that I've, I've, and we're going to go through it a little bit in a few pieces. Citizenship is a relationship between the individual, you, and the state to which the individual 
um, owes allegiance and in turn is entitled to protection. Let's leave that there. So when we become a citizen of Australia, we pledge allegiance to Australia. And because of that, we get protection. We have certain rights. When you pledge allegiance, you know, the American one, I pledge allegiance to the flag of these United States of America. And that's a common one you hear in movies. So becoming a believer in Jesus, you're simply pledging allegiance to another kingdom. You're pledging allegiance to heaven. You're pledging allegiance to the king. That's what Christian is. You just pledged allegiance to another kingdom. But with that comes all these rights and responsibilities. And one of them is protection. In Australia, you have protection. Um, consumer protect, all kinds of protections protect you as a, as a citizen of this country. And then the script, the, the it's not a scripture, <laughs> definition, definition, if we can put the next one up, it says, citizenship implies the status of freedom with accompanying responsibilities. So as a citizen, you have a freedom within that country and rights as a citizen. But as a citizen, you also have responsibilities we, we always want the benefits, but we never think about what are our responsibilities of being a citizen of a country. And the two go together. Citizens have certain rights, duties, and responsibilities that are denied or only partially extended to aliens or other non-citizens responding, responding in the country. So, And when you become a citizen, you can vote. When you're a permanent resident, you can enjoy certain benefits, but you can't vote. So when you become a citizen, there's, there's certain privileges and responsibilities that go with it that others don't have. Then it says, in general, full political rights, including the right to vote and to hold public office. You have the right to vote. You, you can vote a government in and a government out. Like, if, we don't, if you don't like the government here, which Victorian is Labor government, and they're not they're anti-church and anti-God, well, you as a Christian have the power to vote them out or vote them in. It's up to you. The great Queenslanders helped the federal election last time, didn't we? We voted and we changed the course of history and I'm proud of that. But that's a, that's a part of citizenship. You have a right to vote. You can run for parliament yourself if you're a citizen and have a voice. These are predicted upon citizenship. But then there's the responsibilities of citizenship. The, the usual responsibilities of citizenship are allegiance, taxation, and military service. Allegiance. So when we pledge allegiance to a country, we're saying we're with you. And that's when someone goes, like we get terrorist groups or, or you know, extreme groups, and they go and fight in a, a battle that they shouldn't, and we've cut their citizenship. Because they've, they've given up their allegiance. It's about allegiance. You know, and, and you know, I might have a bit of fun with this, but you know, there's people from a couple of countries, they come to Australia, and please, I'm not going weird, and don't stop, this is going to be awkward. And they pledge allegiance, but when they watch rugby, they go for their, their own team still. Like one of them wears an all-black-looking jersey. They pledge allegiance to Australia, but when the World Cup's on in Japan now, they're screaming and cheering for, for this other country. Another one, another country that does that, they've got a gold jersey like us, but they have this animal on it that looks like a deer. They'll never give up following that country. They've, so I encourage you, pledge allegiance to Australia in every way and every sporting thing. That's what allegiance, pledging your allegiance. And, and I'm going to throw a few kind of arrows across the bow here, okay? So still love me after this. There's a few Christians out there that, that you know, anyway. There's lots of Christians. And they don't go to church at all, but I'm still a Christian. Or I go to, I go to church once every six weeks. But if you've pledged allegiance... You've got responsibilities. 
You can't just say I'm a Christian and I'm a Christian at home and I love Jesus, but I'm not going to church. Are you a citizen if you're not actually being responsible with the citizenship? One of them is taxation. Like we live in this land, we pay taxes to help the roads, fund it. That's just a responsibility of being a citizen. Giving, like I'm not, this is not a message about finances, but you can't say I'm a Christian and I don't go to church and I'm not, I'm not going to give too much. God's got my heart, but he doesn't have my money. But I give it to the government because I pledge allegiance. But I pledge allegiance to Jesus, but I'm not going to give him any of my finances. A citizen of heaven has responsibilities. One, you're a citizen, but then you've got these responsibilities. And one is that you are financially contributing to his kingdom. That's what all citizenship's about. Another responsibility is military service. If there's a war, we may get called up. See, being a Christian is more than just I love Jesus and I'm going to do my own thing at home. It's about being a military service. It's about being engaged in the battle. It's about participating in your local church and, and being involved and, and being regular with it. The citizenship is just not this thing out here. It's, it's got, is my heart coming across here? There's a responsibility of being a, a citizen. And it's the same with God's kingdom. Citizenship gives you positional authority. It's not based on your talents or your gifting when you're a citizen. The fact that you're a citizen gives you an authority to go vote. The fact that you're a citizen gives you the power to go and run for parliament. There's a, a, a positional authority that's not based on anything you do except that you're a citizen. And so it is with God's system and God's kingdom. If you're a manager in a business or an organization, the, 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 the companies put you in the position of a manager. You have an authority because you're the manager. People mightn't like you. The, the, the people that work there, but they know you're the manager. So if you say it, they do it. What about a police officer? We've got a few police officers here. Okay, you can be driving down Wyndham Road and police officer walks out like this in his uniform. He won't even have a gun on him. But you've got this big vehicle. You could just run him over. Like, you, you have the biggest weapon. You've got a car that can just run him over or her over. But their authority is not based in their weapons. Their authority is based in the position that they are a police officer, that they are being placed there by the government with the government's authority. The government's authority. And there are consequences for not following the police officer. So most of us, I hope all of us, would stop really quickly. Oh, it's a police officer. So you have positional authority in God's kingdom. Because you've made a decision, I pledge allegiance to Jesus and his kingdom. And while you pledge that allegiance and you participate in it, there is an authority. Can you imagine when you're, you're a Christian over here, you don't go to church at all, you never give, you're, I'm Christian in heart. What Your authority is limited. You, there's not an authenticity about the life that you're living when God says to, to be in his house and to be with his people and, and be a generous person. When we're, we're a citizen by name and all responsibility, there's an authority on your life that, that, that things happen. Citizenship in Australia gives you some positional authority. Let me look at some of the benefits, okay? This is not like an immigration department kind of like promo, please. I'm, it's going to get more spiritual, but I want to set up a premise for you. I knew a family on the Gold Coast that were from the country that wears the black jersey. I'm not named. And lovely people. No, 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 good friends of mine. They've been here for 20 years, and they didn't want to become citizens. But then when the kids were about to leave high school and they thought, oh, we've got to pay up the fees up front. We want to get hex and, and we want to not pay full foreign fee. They went, we're going to become citizens because they wanted to look out for their kids. So they became citizens. There's a benefit to being a citizen. And same it is in God's kingdom. You know, Medicare, awesome. I love Medicare. 
low-cost medical, sometimes free. Authority to vote. If you live, yeah, if you've lived in another country where there's no medical, like we lived in the States, you're on your own. Like, it's, it's scary stuff without a healthcare system. You've got the authority to vote, government's in and out. You've got the authority to run for parliament. There's laws in our land that protect you and your safety. Another amazing thing about citizenship is you get a passport. A passport. Think, if you're not a citizen in this country, well, you can't get an Australian passport. But a passport gives you incredible freedom. You can leave the borders of this country when you've got a passport. And you can travel. There's a freedom with having a passport. And it's a part of being a citizen. See, some countries' passports give more access and rights than other countries. So if you go to Europe with an Australian passport, you can travel and do things, but it's limited. But if you've got a European Union passport, maybe from Spain or Portugal, you can go to France and live, buy houses. Certain passports give you different rights and different freedoms and different accesses. What about the passport of heaven? What does that do for you? You can be living in the UK. Are you a British citizen the fact that you're living in the UK? No. Your citizenship travels with you. See, you might be an Australian who's working in the UK for a year. You're not a British citizen. You're not British. You're Australian. When you go on holidays to Thailand and Bali, you're not Indonesian. You're Australian. See, your citizenship is not attached to your location. Your citizenship is attached to who you are and what you are. And what kingdom you're from. So your citizenship goes with you wherever you go. Just because you're not in that place doesn't mean you're not one of them. Just because you're on this earth doesn't mean you're not a citizen of heaven. See, you're in a foreign land right now on this earth. And just because you look out and you see earthly things and trees and stuff happens and bills come, you're not a citizen of this earth. The Bible says you are a transient, that you are an alien that is passing through this land. Because your citizenship is where you're from, where you've been birthed from, where you've been granted a place. When you pledge allegiance to Christ, to Jesus, you're a citizen of heaven, not of this earth, even though you're on this earth, just as you're not a citizen of Bali or Indonesia because you're in Bali. You are the citizenship. It goes with you wherever you go. Next point is there is another citizenship. Ephesians 2.19 says this. Now you are no longer strangers to God and foreigners to heaven, but you are members of God's very own family, citizens of God's country, citizens of God's country. And you belong in God's household with every other Christian. So basically when we pledge allegiance to Jesus and his kingdom, that we, we become part of a citizenship of another nation called God's country. And it's just not, you don't become a part of his country only. He says it's deeper than that. You actually become part of his family. Family is deeper than just being a citizen. He, he puts you into a family. There's an intimacy. There's relationship when you pledge allegiance. See, as I said, your citizenship travels with you. And wherever you're living, your citizenship goes with you. And just because you're not in heaven right now doesn't mean that you're not a citizen of heaven. You have the benefits of heaven. You have the rights of heaven. You have the privileges of heaven. And we also have the responsibilities of heaven because that's how citizenship works. It's good, isn't it? You know, you get a passport, a citizenship passport from heaven. 
called the Holy Spirit. He's called the Holy Spirit. Bible says that when we pledge allegiance, God places his Holy Spirit as a deposit inside of you. It's a guarantee that you're a citizen when you have his passport of his Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit in you brings freedom and brings life and brings access for you into situations. The Holy Spirit inside of you, can we look at, you know when you've got these electronic passports now, they have the microchip, and you kind of go in and you, just, you don't have to talk to somebody if you've got the right part, you just scan it and you go through the immigration. So you've got this, you've got this Holy Spirit inside of you, it's a passport. And so when you walk through certain scanners of life, maybe the scanner of a job interview, or the scanner of a promotion, or the scanner of wanting an opportunity or a door to open. So you're walking through that door as a citizen of another kingdom with a passport that's inside of you called the Holy Spirit. And it gives you access to places where other people don't access. Because you are a citizen of an intergalactic kingdom that has no end and that is eternal. And that has incredible privileges and rights. You can go to countries and places and circumstances where others are going to fall over, where others are not going to make it through, where others get denied access. You have access because of the Holy Spirit inside of you. It'll allow you into opportunities that others can't have, that will fall over for people unless God grants it to them. Apostle Paul takes it even further. Your citizenship, that's great. That's powerful. That's amazing. But then he says in Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5.20, and I've talked about this already. He says, we are ambassadors for Christ. See, before you're an ambassador, you're a citizen. You can't be an ambassador for a country unless you're already a citizen. But when you're a citizen, then there's an extra authority, an extra favor, an honor that can be put on you by the president or the king or the prime minister. And the Bible says that Christ makes you an ambassador of heaven, an ambassador of him on this earth. So you have more power and authority than just a citizen on this earth. You actually represent as an ambassador. You become a mouthpiece. See, the, 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 the U.S. Um, ambassador to Australia, he speaks on behalf of the president. He speaks on behalf of the culture and the values of the country that he's from. And you as an ambassador on this earth, you speak on God's behalf. I'm up here as an ambassador telling you this. I'm speaking on his behalf, his words. Interesting thought is ambassadorship doesn't become active until you leave the country you're from. You're not an ambassador in Australia. You're a citizen. But when they make you an ambassador, you actually go to a foreign land and you've been put there as an ambassador. So your ambassadorship has no value when you're on your home territory. The power of ambassadorship and the authority of ambassadorship to speak on behalf of your king is when you're in that foreign land. So you're in a foreign land right now, and you have much more power and authority because of that. It's something of incredible value. Another thing with an ambassador's passport. It's a higher passport than a citizen because it gives you diplomatic immunity. Diplomatic immunity. Diplomatic immunity diplomatic immunity. This world can't touch you. You can't be touched in this world because you're an ambassador with the Holy Spirit inside of you, that he lives in you. And you have this passport that gives you diplomatic immunity. It gives you protection. Greater is he, the Bible says, than he that is in this world. Greater is the Holy Spirit. You know, and maybe you're not a churchgoer and you've heard the term, you know, my body's a temple. What's from the Bible? The Bible says that our body is a temple of his Holy Spirit. 
Because of that, you have diplomatic immunity. His spirit as an ambassador lives in you. Oh, my goodness. This message has flown. I'm not even halfway. Okay. Whew. I'm going too slow. What is this to do with conquering? What is all this to do with conquering this whole citizenship little lesson, Pastor Robbie? Well, Paul in Ephesians 6 talks about a Roman soldier. It talks about the Roman soldier having a helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness. I won't go through them all. I do know them, but I'm saving time. The Bible, the Word of God is a sword. Faith is a shield. And he talks about that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers in the spirit world. That Our battle is a spiritual battle because of who you are. See, the thing Paul is bringing out here, I think, is a deeper thing without him saying it. The Roman soldier's positional authority was greater than his very weapons. The fact that he was a Roman soldier gave him power. He could command people to pick up his luggage. A Roman soldier had an authority, even without his weapons, because he'd been granted this power by Caesar. Your positional authority is is endowed in who you are in God. And that when we pray prayers, we, we need to pray that we believe it. We're not just praying these words, but we're praying, believing that we have authority. Because the Bible says we have authority in Him, not in ourselves. You know, I went to, on a mission trip to Burma last year, and I was in this kind of rebel camp thing, and it's another story. But, um, and the general was a little guy, little than me. He was skinny, wore no shoes in his house, had his army gear on, but he had no weapons. He's just cruising around the house. All around him were all these colonels and captains and young guys with machine guns, rocket launchers, hand grenades all around their waist. Someone would like double the height of him. And they were just honoring him as he walked around. And see, he didn't have to have weapons because he knew he was the general. And everyone respected his position. See, when we speak against principalities and powers and we pray in the spirit, there are forces that have to respect who you are simply because of your citizenship and your ambassadorship that you've been given because you pledged allegiance to the king. What giant is in your world that needs to come down? What giants are in your world that need to come down? There's a story in the Bible of David and Goliath. I won't spend much time on it. And you might have heard it as a kid. And see, Goliath was this guy, he was about 10 foot tall, a giant from a giant race. And and he was coming down, breathing fifo fum. You know, there's going to be a battle. And no one in Israel wanted to go fight this guy. And, and David turns up on the scene. He's probably about 14. He has no title. He's not even in the army. He has no authority. Doesn't have education. It's not about your bank account. It's not about the size of your weapon. He just had a, a slingshot with a stone. But he said, hey, I've killed the bear when it chased the sheep. I've killed the lion which chased the sheep. The God of heaven that was with me in those battles, he'll be with me and taking down this giant. It wasn't about how big the enemy was. It was about the force of the power of who was with him. That God would be with him in this circumstance. No matter what you're facing today, it doesn't matter the size of that enemy or how big it is. It's who's on your side. Who has given you authority? All of heaven has given you authority. David picks up that stone Whirls it, the stone, it hits the giant in the head. The stone didn't kill the giant. The stone stunned the giant, knocked him. He probably lost his balance, fell down, whacked his head on the ground. Was out cold. David goes and gets the sword and cuts the giant's head off. See, what's in your hand? God can take what's in your hand as you exercise your authority. And he can take down the giant in your life. 
How can you become a citizen of God's care? How? Like, this is all great, Pastor Robert. How do I become a citizen? It sounds awesome. I want to be part of this. Well, it says in Ephesians 2, 18 to 19. Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done. So now you Gentiles, which simply means a non-Jew, and in other words, it also means unclean. So you who are unclean, you who are a sinner, you who are not perfect, like us all, you're no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's household. See, when we pledge allegiance to Jesus, we become clean. We go from being unclean Gentile to a clean Jew in a spiritual sense. It's because of Jesus you get the access pass to come to the Father. Because of Jesus, the, the bridge is there. There's not a chasm between you and God anymore. He, he, he's filled the chasm up so you can walk on through. But you've got to go through Jesus to get to the Father. You've got to pledge allegiance to him. So you get the benefits of citizenship. You get the benefits of having authority in your life when you pray. You get a benefit. We might have Medicare here, but God has eternal life. Like that's a great benefit of becoming a part of the citizenship. You get to live forever. And this body you have now, whether it's overweight or your hearing doesn't work or your eyesight's going or you don't like the look, at, it's only temporary, so don't get too worked up. You're going to get another one that will last for eternity. That's a benefit of citizenship. So I think that's a great benefit for me. I love that one. As our music folk come up, please. You have benefits and you have privileges. There are promises in being a citizen. There's an authority from being, in being a citizen of his kingdom. Knowing your position authority or where you are is in many ways more important than the weapons you hold. I'd rather be a police officer in his uniform with his badge and than some kind of criminal guy with his gun. The, the, the police officer has far more authority. Your position's more important than the weapons, but the weapons are good. It says in Romans again, 8.37, See, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Through Him who loved us. Spiritual authority can be unseen. And this could sound a bit, kind of, it's a bit kind of spooky message about spiritual things. But what I'm saying is, Authority sometimes isn't seen, but we see the consequence of it. And I want you to know that when you pray and when you live, walk through life and you read your word and you're showing love to people and you're encouraging people with your words, it might be unseen, but there are ramifications in this physical world. And as you're functioning as a citizen of heaven in your daily life on this earth, as an ambassador of another, citizen, of, of another kingdom, then things are changing around about us. Things are changing in this physical world that, that you do. You're changing relationships when you're, you're reaching out to people. We, we can change the course of history. You know, one person of, you know, I've preached so many times over the years and people have come and given their life to Jesus. And I see them today, I go to churches and there they are, 20 years later, 10 years later. And I sit there and go, man, all I did was preach a message and all they did was respond. But now they're married with kids and families and their lives are transformed. You don't know. You know, when you're an ambassador for another kingdom, the ramifications are eternal. It's just amazing. And it's never hopeless. There's always hope. The river's coming. The water's flowing. And it brings new life. Jesus finishes. I'm finishing with some words from Jesus in Mark 11:23. 23. 
He says, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus. He's not a liar. He says, I tell you the truth. Do you know he really, it's really truthful? You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. He's not necessarily talking about a physical mountain. He's saying, with your words and the authority you have as a believer in me, you can speak to that circumstance. You can pray about that thing because you're not wrestling against um, flesh and blood, but principalities and powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age, the Bible says. And as you speak to that mountain, that giant that's in your way, the Bible says it will be removed and cast into the sea. This is what Jesus says. So your words are powerful, but it's more your position of knowing who you are in Him and what He has granted to you. You could be a, a, a resident of Australia, a, a, a citizen, and not go and vote because you didn't realize that I had access to do it. And His Word is there to tell us what you have. But we also have responsibilities. Maybe it's time for you to start exercising your ambassadorship because you've got it. And I hope today you see you have it. Start to use it. Start to operate in it. Maybe you're not a citizen of heaven. You're not a citizen of God's kingdom. You're not an ambassador. And you're saying, hey, I want to pledge allegiance to this kingdom. This sounds pretty good. Well, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Why don't we stand today and I want to pray over us as a church. And then we're going to just pray a prayer as a church. I want to just take this moment. Just take this moment, guys. Just, just lift your heart up to the Almighty God. Heavenly Father, I, I pray for every person in this room. I pray, Father, that the blindness and the, the slumber that's been on us as Christians, Father, would be ripped off, Father. That we would see, Father, that, that, that we are light, Father, that, we are, that you have called us to great things. I, I pray, Father, that you would open doors, Father, before people this week. I pray, Father, that we would have a, an internal conviction and understanding of the authority that we have, not because of me or you, but us, but because of you. Because of what Jesus has done, we have an authority, Father. And I pray that you would help people exercise it in circumstances. You would prompt us this week that we can see this foreign land we live in changed and transformed. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God a big clap this morning. Thank you for listening to this message. To stay in touch with Encounter, follow us on Instagram at encounter.cc or find us on Facebook at encounter.shepherded.